Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Amen. So today we're going to talk about, it's April. Anybody know what April is? April is usually typically where we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus was born on April 6th, for those who don't know. Due to fact check, you know, but anyway, we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, some believe that April, April 6th was his birth. I really believe that. I just, I just, with all my, but that, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I, and so just keep that in mind. April 6th, Jesus was born. Uh, I don't care what Christmas they try to celebrate. Um, but April, we typically try to focus on the cross. And we're going to talk about the cross today. We're going to talk about the cross next week. I think next week we're going to talk about sin a little bit more than we've ever talked about before. I mean, no, just like we need to know God, we need to know Christ, we need to know the Holy Spirit, but we need to know sin. And we need to know sin's origins. Where did sin come? Where, where did this thing called sin come from? And why is it so dangerous? And why is it that God really hates it and it provokes his anger? And it's wrath. Sin is a very serious thing. And I think that we, and I have been guilty of, taking sin lightly. You know, we think that sin is, and, and when you think about sin, don't think about sexual sins only. There's, there's, there's a whole lot more sins than sexual sins, all right? I, I grew up in church, and, and sometimes the, 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 the focus is on sin, but it always seems to be allocated towards sexual sins. But then there's sins of motive, sins of the heart, sense of um, omission and commission, sense of where, where you, you know, you, God told you to do something, you don't do it, or you're doing something that God didn't tell you to do. And there's d- different layers of sins. And then you have iniquity and you have um, transgressions. So there's different ways in which sin manifests. And sin shows up in children, right? A baby, who, uh, he, a baby is very self-centered and has received this sinful nature. If you don't believe that kids have a, are sinners, <laughs> just have a baby and you'll see the sinful nature of, 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 of that's at work. And sin, the sin nature in one aspect as a Christian, we will never get rid of until we die. We have never known a world without sin. But guess what? We're going to. <laughs> See, we, we've only known a, a, a world where sin is reigning, death is reigning, the curse is at work. You can look around, the curse is at work all around us. Adam sin, sin entered into the world, and the curse came into effect right away. The earth, sometimes people look at um, like earthquakes or volcanoes, um, erupting and saying, oh, look at what God is doing, acts of God. But it's really the earth crying out. It's groaning. The earth is groaning to be set free. Jesus' death (laughs) and his resurrection not only took care of our personal sins, but also the deliverance from the earth being free from this curse. And he goes on to talk about that we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And so these are things we're going to look forward to. We've never known. We've, I, I kind of liken it to, towards the matrix, right? You, you, you know, living in a world that it's, 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 it's false, not really real. And even for those who haven't seen the whiz, when they, you know, when the wicked witch of the West died, they were free. I mean, they took off their you know, that, that bondage. 
And they were so free, they started dancing all over the place. You know, and, and so we are going to experience that at the return of Christ or when we go and depart to be with him. We're going we're gonna to experience a freedom that we have never known before. See, there, there's, there's a le- level of freedom that we can have now, but it's just a taste of what is to come. We are tasting of the powers of the world to come. Amen. And so there's gonna, we're going to be so free, we ain't going to know what to do. We, we, we're so used to this sinful world, we, 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 don't, we don't know what it means to be free. And so we're going to talk about the beauty of the cross. The beauty of the cross. The cross is beautiful. Amen. And at the same time, it's ugly. <laughs> On the ugly, beautiful cross. Maybe that's what we should title it. <laughs> David's like, you're working me. The ugly, beautiful cross. The beauty of the cross. We, we can stick with that. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I think sometimes I'm, I, I love titles. And I think titles are like windows into the, the house. The sermon is the content, but the titles give us an insight of what is to come, a foretaste. The cross is necessary for our salvation. There is a lack of understanding of why the cross is necessary. Uh, God wants us to grow in the knowledge of, of in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know the gospel means what? What does the gospel, the name gospel means good news. So the good news is good, but you really can't appreciate the good news unless you understand why the good news was necessary. The good news is necessary because there was bad news. And bad news was introduced to the world back in Genesis, the, the, the narrative of creation and how God intended it to be. The cross and the resurrection is necessary. We need to, I've said this before, baptize ourselves with the understanding of the cross. What is the cross? And why was it necessary? And what are we to do with this cross? This cross that we, sometimes people get tatted with the cross, right? And, and it doesn't make you more spiritual because you get tattoos with the cross on it, right? You could still be mean as the devil because you got the cross across your neck or on your chest. It doesn't, that doesn't move God. <laughs> I think sometimes people think, oh, that's really going to secure my salvation because our faith is not in the symbol of the cross, but it's in the life, death, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. That's where our hope is. It's not in the cross itself because the cross was common, the common execution or divine, not divine punishment, but the punishment, the corporate punishment of that day. It was, un, it was not unusual for someone to die on the cross. But it's who's on the cross. You know, there, there were two other people on the cross with Jesus, the two thieves. So, but they're, 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 them dying on that cross did nothing for no one. There was no power in that. But the power, oh, glory to God, of the cross is rooted in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is rooted in who he is, his sinless life, his miraculous birth, his vicarious death, his glorious resurrection, his ascension to the Father, his succession to the on the right hand, his sending of the Spirit, his intercession for the saints, and his return. 
all are saving acts of our salvation, saving acts of humanity. How are we to um, see the implications of the cross in our lives? The cross needs to be understood. Christ had us on his mind when he was on the cross. There's an old song, old hymn, hymnal. Um, he, I was on his mind when he was on the cross. How many know that Jesus had a target? Everything that God does, <laughs> as I borrowed this from my mentor from afar, um, everybody say, God is a God of purpose. Right? Uh, he does everything on purpose. He does nothing by mistake. He, he sets you in the right family on purpose, whether you like them or not. <laughs> he, placed, <laughs> he placed you on the right continent, whether you liked it or not. He, he, he allowed you to see this time on purpose. He allowed you to go through the pandemic on purpose. <laughs> what do you mean? It was not God's will for me to go through the pandemic. Well, you're here, right? <laughs> so he, he, everything that God does is a, a God of purpose. Now, of course, we have choices in there, right? I mean, you, you, you can get with somebody who might not necessarily be God's choice, <laughs> and you bound up with them. <laughs> I mean, you, you choose the jobs that you choose, you have, right? It's not, so it's not, when I, when I say that he does things on purpose, we got to make sure that we're not allocating everything that we do is God's will. You know, I'm in debt, so it must be God's will that I'm in debt. Uh, I'm getting my butt beat in a relationship. It must be God's will. You know, uh, you know uh, that, that child, that, that, that spouse, that, that parent that is abusing that child is God's. No, 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 we're not saying that. Uh, uh, you've been abused on your job. It's not God's will. Or uh, taking advantage or discrimination. You know, all those things, that, that's not God's will. So we, don't twist it to think that our, what we decide is always God's will. That, that don't do that because you made the decision to wear where you were, you got on today, right? You made a decision. So every decision that we make is not from God. So when I say God does things on purpose, when he's in it and he does it, he, he's, he's doing something on purpose. Amen. And so this cross, this beauty of the cross, the beauty of the cross, Hebrews 12. Let's, let's, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 12. The beauty of the cross. This cross was not something that people would really look at as being beautiful. It, it, was, it, it was a symbol of death. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, let's just start with one. I, I, sometimes I can't, when I go to this chapter, I feel like I always got to start with verse 1. Because it's, it's, it's so much in verse 1. Therefore... <laughs> If you find the word, therefore, you need to find out why it's there. <laughs> therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. All right. These cloud of witnesses, who are they? How many know that when somebody gets married, you need witnesses? Some of y'all been married twice to the same person. <laughs> we will say. <laughs> um, you need witnesses. You need witnesses there, right? Every time. So we have a cloud of witnesses. And these cloud of witnesses, I want to submit to you, is Hebrews 11, those men and women who went before us. That when Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, um, some people make it unknown, but I, just, I, I believe that just, just based on the writing style. 
But the men and women who are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, men and women of faith, I believe that they are part of this cloud of witnesses. So when people die in Christ or believing in him, you know, you know the Old Testament saints believed in Christ even before Christ came. They believed in the promise. They believed in the one true God. So their faith in Christ, whom they never saw, got them to heaven. And so they are around heaven and they're shouting encouragement or rooting us on as we run our race. They, they don't know about your natural life. They don't know whether or not you got this new job or not or, or how much money is in your accounts. They're not concerned about that. But they're root, every, spiritual, every time you make a spiritual progress, they're rooting you on. They know something happens spiritually with us when we take a leap or take a step. Are you with me? So this, it says we are, cla- we, are, we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses. It tells us what to do. Let us lay aside every weight. How many have, have y'all have ever ran a marathon? No. 5K? Okay, 10K? 20K? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Three, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> you just ran everywhere. All right, so, so, but you, 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 don't, you don't run. Do you run with weights? You, do you put weights on your ankles? Sometimes, okay, you messed up the text. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, so if, you're, if you're running, if you're running, you're not what? You're not gonna have anything that's gonna weigh you down, right? You wanna be as light as possible, from what I understand, all right? Um, and so the spiritual race, we need to not have weights on us. There are things that will weigh us down. Ignorance will weigh us down. Um, um, distractions. Well, if the devil can't get you with sin, he'll get you with distractions. He, he, he'll get you distracted, right? Especially social media platform. There's just different things. You, you can get distracted by anything. So you have to lay aside, not that it's necessarily evil or it, it's, it's sinful, but it's a weight that's holding you down from making progress. Let us lay aside every weight in sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. King James says, run with patience the race that is set before us. How, how do you run with patience? How do you run with endurance? You, 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 you pace yourself. This spiritual journey should not be, it's not a sprint. It, it, you're not trying to, let me do it, let me do it. Let me, let me just, get, you know, it, it's, it's God designed it for it to be a slow process. When my wife cooks like a roast and sometimes she cooks it for hours, right? And, and, and the longer it cooks, the better it is. Sometimes things are slow because God is building things inside of you. From what I understand, you can correct me later, don't do it now, but you can email me later, that, that when a building, a skyscraper is big, the higher it goes, the deeper it goes. 
And so that there must be a stronger foundation in our lives before the exaltation, because you don't want to have something hollow in your life, right? Something that will be torn by every wind and every doctrine of men. You, you want to have some grassroots. You want to have some deep roots in Christ. There are some Christians who don't have a strong foundation. They, they, they don't have, they're not rooted in Christ. They've learned him, they've received him, but there's, there are no roots. And it, it takes time for those roots to grow. It, they need to be, um, it, there needs to be a clinging to the cross, a clinging to the resurrection, a clinging to the Christ, a, cl- a, cling, a clinging to the triune God. You, you need to have some understanding of some basic things in order to grow. God doesn't want us to be shallow Christians. Uh, and, and, and we need to have a, a life. Last week we talked about the evidence of the recreated spirit. The world wants to, needs to eat the fruit of the spirit off of us. They should be able, if they can't get encouragement from anyone else, the body of Christ should be very encouraging. The body of Christ should be very compassionate very um, uh, full of love, full of patience, full of endurance and long-suffering and faithfulness. If, 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 if the world has never seen faithfulness, they should see faithfulness in us. Right? If the world has never seen love or sensed love, they should see love from us. So let us lay aside, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there is a race that is set before us. You don't have a long time to run this race. You're here today, gone tomorrow. Life is short. Life is like a vapor. You blink and it's over. Ten years goes by. Fifteen years goes by. You, 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 if you're 40, you, you might be halfway through your life. <laughs> if you're 39, you may be halfway through your life. If you're, if you're 20, young people are dying. So it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, we, we know people who, who have died, who have lived to be 90 in their 90s and so forth. But we don't have a long time on earth. So what we do, we must do, do it quickly. We must grow, but we must run it with endurance and patience. Verse 2. <laughs> that was all verse 1. Looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, not looking at Jesus as a role model, that's nice and cute, but I'm talking about looking to him, deriving your strength from him, Um, looking to Jesus. When you're in trouble, the first person that you should look to is Jesus. Sometimes we look to ourselves, we look inside, we look inside our brain, our minds, I should say. We look towards each other, look to our jobs, look to our community. We, look to, we should look to Jesus, looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus. And it goes on, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the foundation of our faith. He's not an afterthought. He's the object of our faith. He's the reason why we exist. (laughs) 
I'm preaching better than you saying amen. He is everything. Um, I, I heard Uncle Charlie Wilson say the other day, without him, I'm nothing. Amen? Without him, that man is saved. Uncle, what y'all say? <laughs> he, I mean, he just, he preached Jesus so much. The Holy Ghost came in a new edition concert. And as soon as he came, he left. <laughs> he got in the flesh shortly after the testimony. But it was good while it lasted. <laughs> I put it on Facebook. I was like, I bet not because I get a lot of trouble. Um, Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So he's not only the foundation of our faith, he's the perfecter of our faith. So he's going to perfect your faith. Well, faith in what? Faith in him. All right, let's look. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross? So he had a prize. See, some people don't believe in, in, in let's say, raising their children with reward system, right? But God, everything about God, if you, if, I should say everything about him, but when he deals with us, he, he always gives us also the, the plus or the bonuses or the aim and, and, and the benefits. He says, if you receive Christ, you'll go to heaven. Um, if you pay your tithes, you'll have more than enough. Um, you love, um, you're, you're able to win those who are around you. Um, you obey your parents, long life, and it'll be well with you. Not only long life, but have a quality of life. Amen. Um, he says, if you look to Jesus, then, then you'll have what you need. I've given you everything for life and godliness. He says bodily exercise is profitable, but godliness is profitable for here and in the life after. So, we, we, we have, so God rewards us. He just doesn't do stuff. He doesn't tell us to do stuff just because it sounds good or looks good, but he does something with purpose. So he says, if Jesus, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He just didn't endure the cross like, oh, let me just go through this suffering. He's like, I'm going through the suffering because there's joy at the other side of it. <clears throat> there's a scripture in uh, Psalms that says, weeping be made endured for the night. But joy comes in the morning. You, you, the things you cry about today, you'll, you'll rejoice about tomorrow, right? That, that's what that's saying. But growing up, right, <laughs> growing up, I used to believe, I used to hear choirs and, and, and when I say choirs, the local choir, um, and, and different people sing, weeping and neighing and doing for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I, I, my ears actually heard, we've been made and for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Not weeping, but we've been made. Like we have been made to endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what my little five, six-year-old ears heard when they were singing weeping. <laughs> but we have been endured. If we can endure, there's some joy on the other side of that. Amen? For the joy that was set before him. I want to submit to you the joy that was set before Jesus on the other side of the cross. There was a cup of joys. One was the pleasing of the Father, the, the satisfying of his wrath, and the prize of the Father, which is us. We are his prize. We're the apple of his eye. He loves us. He's not in love with us because he, he, he'd fall out of love. He's, he's, he loves us. 
He loves us with an everlasting, unconditional, unstoppable love. There's nothing you and I can do to stop him from loving us. All the sins that we've ever committed will never stop him from loving us. That's good news. His love is unstoppable. It's relentless. <laughs> I, I was, I was um, praying earlier this morning in prayer time um, as a corporate, and I was praying, and I was praying in tongues a little bit. He says, you know, I'm your, you know you're my son, right? And I said, I, I know, I know. And I, and, I, and, I, and I stopped myself, Father, I didn't mean to be disrespectful by saying I know. <laughs> but, but, but he wants us to know that we are his children. Oh, we can run. When you're in sin, that's the time to run to God, not from him. Run to him every day. Every single, I run to you. I messed up, Father. I mean, the blood, and we don't do it out of, like, I'm going to take advantage of it. But we do want to take advantage of it. He's made provision for our forgiveness of sins. He, he's cleansed us with his blood. There's cleansing power in his blood. If we'll confess, he'll cleanse us up. He'll make, us, he'll make us as if we never sinned. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter how, how gross your sins are. <laughs> his blood is greater than the grossness of our sins. And his blood cleanses us and makes us as if we've never sinned. And we stand before him when we're in Christ as, as Adam and Eve did prior to the fall. They were sinless. They knew no sin. And the Bible tells us, I love the fact that he tells us that he separates us from our sins as far as the east and the west. And the east and the west will never cross. He, he, he separates us. Kellen Baylor says, he throws our sins into the sea of forgiveness. It's not that he's losing his mind. He chooses not to remember. <laughs> Glory to God. He chooses not, because I, I, I said to my dad one time when, as a kid, I said, how is it that he doesn't remember? Like, what, what do you, if he knows everything, how is it he doesn't remember? He said, he chooses not to remember. I choose to turn, the Lord says, he chooses to turn away from it as if he never did it. He makes us cleanse, clean before him, and he, he, he treats us as Jesus. He loves us as much as he loves Jesus. We need that. That will change your self-esteem. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's easy to yield to unworthiness. I'm just so unworthy. Not worthy to be a parent. Not worthy to be a husband. Not worthy to be a pastor. Come on. If you stay there, those things will hinder you from receiving from him. Because if you're feeling unworthy, you won't go to him. You won't approach him. Like, oh, I can't do it now. Here I go again. Here I go again. Oh, God, I'm coming back for the same thing that I just messed up on. I'm coming back to you. I need you. And, and he's, he's so happy. He's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's not, he's not like, oh, no, that's, that's too many. That's too many. <laughs> he's never like that. Think about your, those who have kids. Think about you. You'll not turn your kids around no matter what they've done. I mean, you might be angry. You may have wrath and you want to beat them to life or death, but you're still going to love them. My, my love is, I'm not going nowhere. And really, our spouses should be like, I'm not going nowhere. Well, I heard one man, he said, he said, if my wife decided to be a prostitute tomorrow, I'll go broke. Because I'll spend all my money to spot her time. 
The father spent all that he had, all of heaven's resources. Some of y'all got lost right there. <laughs> y'all was like, oh, you prostitute? I'm out. Peace. <laughs> I, I heard it in your mind. Like, yep, 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 yep. That's nice. That's QPD. That, I'm not God. <laughs> but I'm, saying, I'm here to tell you that that love that he has for us, he wants us to come every day. Even if you haven't been consistent. It's like, I mean, that doesn't mean you need to stay inconsistent, right? You, I'm not giving you a license. You don't need a license to sin, <laughs> right? You're already doing it. So, I mean, you don't need a license to sin. You just need to know that there is a, the sin problem has already been taken care of in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here we see Jesus endure the cross for the joy that was set before him. And we are that joy. He, we were, he, we had, he had us on his mind. He was thinking about us. He was thinking about every time we sinned and missed, messed up. He was thinking about satisfying that wrath that was upon our lives. He was thinking about, hey, I want to die for them so that they can live. You know, their old song says, I, I, I know who holds tomorrow. I can face tomorrow because he lives. Amen. His life is my life. His life saved my life. Amen. That's, that's Romans 5. His life saved my life. Saved your life. His very ex- He came into this sinful world. He left the glories of heaven for the poverty of earth. To save you and I to become like us so we can be a son and a daughter in him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The significance of the brutal execution goes beyond its immediate cultural context. The full meaning of the cross, the full understanding depends on the uniqueness of Jesus. He was not just a man. (laughs) He was the son of man and the son of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. He wasn't just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a carpenter. He was more than Mary's baby. He was the son of the living God. He was God wrapped up in flesh to live a perfect life and to die in our place. He did not die for himself. He died for us. <laughs> Amen. He, he didn't come to just get a wife, like a natural wife, but he came to get the bride. He came, he died for his bride. He died so the bride could be qualified to be with him forever. That's this Jesus. His love is everlasting. I'm telling you, if you get a revelation of his love, You'll never feel, you'll never feel like you'll never feel, you'll never feel like committing suicide. You'll never feel without purpose. His love affirms us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Romans 1. That was only Hebrews 1, 2. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Romans chapter 1, and we're almost finished, I think. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let's go here and talk about this cross, this wonderful cross. 
Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 1, verse, you're familiar with this, verse 16. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? The the good news. This is the good news that we have for the world, that Jesus died for us. He died not only for us, but he, he was raised for, to make us righteous in the sight of God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. I don't know if that's too close to my ear or what. Just direct me. It's okay? Say it again. Okay, thank you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. So if we want his power, we got to take the gospel. It's the only news that saves. It is the most important news on the earth. There's nothing more important than this gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. But notice this, this is to everyone who believes. So though it's it's the power of God for salvation, that salvation is not applied unless we believe. Did y'all see that? To everyone who believes. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So us believing positions us to receive. Are you with me? So when we believe, we release our faith and we believe that God sent Jesus to die, to live, to die, and was raised from the dead, we release, that power is released in our lives. It's not like, it's not like Jesus goes back on the cross. If you, believing re, puts us in a position to receive from him. And we, we open ourselves up. It's, it's not just having a mental agreement with Jesus, but it's receiving him. And when you receive, that power is applied to your life. It's released into your life. Faith is that spiritual force that positions us to receive from. So you can't even please God without it. You, without, it's impossible to believe, uh, to come to God. You have to come to him, believe that he is who he says he is. It's impossible to please him without faith. Faith pleases him. Faith opens you up. He wants, to, he wants to pour more out on you, and you just have to receive it. So even though, let's say someone did you wrong, they sinned against you, it, you can say, I forgive you. I release you from that which you did towards me. But it means nothing to that person if, they keep, if they're at the state of always asking for forgiveness of the same thing. Forgive me, Lord. You know, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Well, well, one, you don't believe that I actually forgive you. I forgave you, right? So, so, you, so you have to believe it. So when you mess up, which you will do, you confess up and you receive his forgiveness. It's that simple. All right, Lord. It doesn't matter how you feel. You might still feel the, the, the condemnation of that sin. But you say, Lord, I thank you. I've already confessed it. I've already received my forgiveness. You, you have to believe and receive his forgiveness. You don't, how many, when you sin, you go back and say, God, save me again? You don't, right? You believe you were saved the first time you asked. Now you just, back in, you need to get back in fellowship. So you ask God to forgive you, and you receive his forgiveness. Some of y'all need to do that even now. 
So say, I receive your forgiveness in Christ. When you said that, you released the power of God to, to make that a living reality in your life. I receive healing. I receive forgiveness. I receive peace. I receive wisdom. He, he's more willing to forgive us than we're willing to ask. He's more willing to heal us than we're willing to ask to receive his healing. Are you, are you, he, we, the Christianity really should be called the great receiving. <laughs> the great receiving. Because it's all about receiving. We're not doing anything to try to earn God's blessing. We're just in a position ourselves. When we pray, we, receive, we position ourselves to receive. When we read the Bible, we position ourselves to receive. When we give and tithe, we position ourselves to receive. When we are witness, we position someone else in a, in a place for them to receive. So it's all about receiving from God. Amen. We're not earning anything from God because he's so good. You want to do right. All right. You want to receive what you need to live the life that God has called you to. Almost finished. Let's go. Uh, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. The, the, the The necessity of the cross. Christianity is a bloody religion. From Genesis to Revelation, you see a, a, a constant focus on blood. We serve a bloody God. He requires blood. <laughs> that sounds pagan, right? But I'm here to tell you that if, in, if you don't have that blood applied to your life, the blood of the Holy One, then you can't, you can't go into his heavens. You can't, you can't receive the fullness what he has for you. Isaiah 53, we'll talk a little bit about this. So Christianity is all about the cross and the resurrection. Um, the cross was the standard execution of in, Romans, in Roman times. Um, some really believe that it wasn't necessarily a, a, um, a T, but it's more like a X. I'm not sure. There's still a great debate. People have written volumes of how the cross looked. It really doesn't matter. It really just matters that he died, right? It, it, I don't have time to try to rediscover how the cross was. Because it, it, it probably, we probably wouldn't get it right if we thought we did, right? Isaiah 53 to gives us an insight into Jesus. Verse 1. Oh, wait, let, let's do Isaiah 52 real quick, and I'll, and I'll stop at 53. Isaiah 52 verse 13 says this, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at him, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, his form beyond that of the children of mankind. We see paintings of Jesus, of, of this nice-looking man. But if we were to get a glimpse of really what he looked like when he was on the cross, he sin, the entire world, the entire world's sin was placed upon him. So he wasn't looking good. There was nothing beautiful about his appearance. He wasn't something that people like, wow, beautiful. It was the ugliness of sin that he became. He didn't sin. He became sin. 
He, he, he received the sins of the entire world. Past, present, and future was placed upon him. And he, was the, he is the substitute for all of humanity. He, he says, you know, he was on the cross. He says, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Here's the Father God turning his back on his only begotten son. He says, I'm, I'm turning my back upon you. I'm pouring my wrath upon you. I'm pouring my judgment upon you. I'm pouring everything that these humans deserve, I'm pouring it on you for you to receive. So Jesus, the sin affected his physical appearance. Not only his spirit and his soul, but his, his physical appearance. How I many know sin can jack you up? If, if certain sins, you know, you can think about drugs. Certain, you know, you can tell it, it, it can mess people's skin up and, and face and teeth and all kinds of. So imagine that a whole lot more to the max. Sin poured upon Jesus. This is why we need to focus on this. And God wants you to have a nice car. He wants you to have a nice family, marriage together. He wants you to have money in the bank. And uh, he wants you to have health in your body. But, but greater than all those things is your, right, your rightness with God. That Jesus, he, he, was, he, he received the absence of peace so that we can have peace. The scripture says in Isaiah 53, it says the chastisement or the punishment, the punishment of, of our peace was placed upon him. So what, what, what cost his life to give us peace with God? We have peace with God because of Jesus. Amen. There's, there's no way around it. You can't get to God through nature. You can't give enough to, to the poor to get God's attention. There's nothing you can do naturally to earn an ounce of his love, an ounce of his forgiveness. It, you have to go through Jesus. You got to come to a place where you throw your entire existence on the Christ. Says, you know, I, I, when I say I plead the blood, it's not some um, rabbit foot <laughs> theology. It, 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 it's, it's a reality that my plea is the blood. My plea is Jesus. I plead Jesus. Uh, Father, Father, I, you know, the devil comes and he accuses us and says, you know, he did this and she did that. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. But, the, but Jesus, but the blood, I, my plea is the blood. I was guilty. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. What the devil, what he may be saying is true. I, I was guilty. <laughs> but Jesus dropped the charges. Amen. Amen. I'm going to end there. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus dropped the charges. I've been set free. What was against me, he nailed it to the cross. We have an advocate with the Father. And every time we mess up, the Father, the Jesus said, I, I, I did it. I died in that place. Yet, yet that which they did, charge it to me. <laughs> the master's charge. Glory to God. Glory to God. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, 
You can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.